Inside, episode number five, week four recap, Tampa Bay Vipers. This is the Vipers Talk podcast presented by Air Max Media. I am your host, Justin Ayers, and I am joined by the co-host, Nick Lomax. And Nick, we have something to celebrate, uh, the first Tampa Bay Vipers victory. Huge day. It's kind of awesome that it was against the Defenders, a team that I, in after week two everyone thought was the best uh, team in the league, but the Defenders on the, uh, the decline, Vipers are on the come up. It really was, this is a signature victory for the Tampa Bay Vipers. It comes against a good team and the D.C. Defenders. We look strong on offense. We look strong on defense. We will break all of that down for you in this Week 4 recap. And we are going to start with the great play of one Mr. Taylor Cornelius, a.k.a. Corndog. Yeah, Corndog played phenomenal this this game. He uh, he was pretty much led by the uh, the running attack, which really got, uh, got the defense pulled in, and that opened it wide for... Uh, corndog and it was just a thing of beauty the offenses looked great the last two weeks under the offensive coordinator i was really impressed with the the balance of just the rushing and passing attack there was a point where we had a 16 play drive and that resulted and it was eight uh eight rushes eight passes it just everything was it took eight minutes off the clock so eight eight and eight and uh it was fantastic so we're gonna get into that 25 nothing vipers finally win um and we're gonna start with uh, the Russian attack led by Jaquez Patrick. This was the Jaquez Patrick game. This was beautiful, beautiful game. Some very physical running by him too, which really wears the defense down, which is one of the keys to why we won this game. And it really took the wind out of the defenders. Well, uh, the first drive, Jaquez Patrick and um, Davion Smith, they had, it's like a one-two punch. It's uh, Jaquez Patrick is a big dude. He's 6'3", 236 pounds. He's just a monster running back. And then Davion Smith uh, is kind of like the change of pace back. But on that first drive, the Vipers, they had seven rushes, 50 yards of that drive came on the ground with uh, Patrick and Smith. And I really think if we lean heavily on those two guys for the rest of the year, I think we'll be okay. The smash and dash package. Yes, absolutely. Um, Pat, like Chiquez Patrick ran it in for the touchdown. Smith ran it in for the one-point conversion. And it was at that point that I knew with just the, the strength of the Russian attack and Corndog mixing in some of that RPO stuff, I feel like uh, the Vipers kind of figured out their identity a little bit. And we really can't forget Corndog's ability to run. Corndog was nimble. Yeah, he's really showing that he can run. He can move. He's not stuck in the the pocket. He can get out. Yes, and I think one of the other things we have to talk about is Jerry Glanville on defense. The man is a wizard. Uh, We're talking about former NASCAR driver Jerry Glanville because why not? Yeah, I mean, once you get bored of crushing it on the defensive side of the ball, you could drive race cars. Well, I think they brought up, like, an old package, and it was talking about, like, Glanville's NASCAR career, and he raced in, like, 60 races, and he never won a single one. He, he truly is the most interesting man in the world, this Jerry Glanville. I Yeah. I mean, you don't really have to want to race in NASCAR. You just, once you do it, interesting Yeah, like, enough. Danica Patrick never won, but, like, she was relevant. It's a very good point. Like, right. So, I'm sure Jerry Glanville was just kicking ass back in the day. Um, with his NASCAR career, but I'm glad he I'm glad he turned to football. I'm glad he's our defensive coordinator because every week uh, they always bring up something, um, just a little nugget about him, and then just the defense itself is playing tough up front. Yeah, the the defense. What was it uh, last week or two weeks ago where they they were a little shaky? Yeah. Last week, and then uh, they they got it right back on track this week. So. Yeah. So um, the Vipers are going for it a lot on fourth down in this game. See. And it's kind of confusing because I liked that they were really aggressive on third down or fourth down, but we'll get to this a little later. But the end of the first half really confused me 
But that's something we'll talk about a little bit later. But the aggressiveness, aggressiveness on fourth down was awesome. It really was. And they were converting. Corndog, we, we, we like to laugh. We joke about Corndog. But uh, we, I joked earlier that he uh, well, he has the prettiest incompletions. Yeah, that's, our, that's, our, that's his thing. That's his thing. He does the really pretty incompletions. And there was a point in the game where Corndog was just missing guys, overthrowing by five yards. He's showing off the cannon, but unfortunately a lot of these passes kind of sailed over the heads. Yeah, and maybe he's trying out for the NFL. Like, this is kind of, he's just like, look, I know my guys are only 40 yards down the field, but I'm going to drop this bomb 50 yards down the field because I can do it. Well, with the NFL Combine going on right now, and they do that challenge where you have to chuck a deep ball up, maybe that was his unofficial, like... Yeah, that's him just kind of like, hey guys, I'm... That was uh, his audition ready. tape yeah. to, okay. finally, uh, to finally get back into the NFL, or to get into the NFL. I don't think he ever played in the NFL. Um, but he, and then in the second quarter, Cornelius found... Uh, Goolsby, former University of Florida Gator, Goolsby for a 13-yard touchdown, uh, and then they they didn't they didn't get the, the extra point. No, we struggle a little bit with extra points, but it's fine. I'm it's okay fine. with missing extra points if we're getting touchdowns. Franks uh, missed a field goal, but he uh, banged home a 40-yarder, made it 16 to nothing, um, and then Corn Dog scrambled for another touchdown, which I thought was great. Yeah. So Corn Dog was a dual threat. When I think of Taylor Cornelius, I think of dual threat. So since Flowers was out, do you think he absorbed Flowers? I think it, yeah. I think they just told him to they combine them into. We'll, one we'll get into that when we get to to our news segment. Um, and then Franks banged home a, a twenty-six yarder to make the final score twenty-five to nothing. Um, but there, there's a couple things. There's a couple things I want to talk about in this game. Um, S.J. Green. This was S.J. Green, the former Canadian Football uh, League star legend. Legend. Finally made his Tampa Bay Vipers debut less than stellar. Well, keep in mind, he is moving. He's moving back to the area, for one. Two, this is his, what, second week with the team? I don't think, probably not even two full weeks with the team. Inactive last week, yep. Yeah, so he's still really getting into the rhythm, learning the playbook and all that, because things are still pretty different. I mean, it's a lot different than the CFL. Right. So, I expect him to be be more heavily used once uh, Corndog and him can kind of make a connection and all that next week we'll really see but yeah I just I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt he's a legend in the CFL so one target one drop but there was that mic'd up play where the offensive coordinator told Green to block for a play block for the quarterback so that's literally the only two times I ever heard anything about SJ Green was when he got hit in the hands then dropped it and the offensive coordinator said alright buddy just uh, go out there and block for Corndog um we got so there's something interesting. The play calling. You were you were a fan of the offensive coordinator, um, his his play calling in this game. But there was a couple times where end of the first half. So the Vipers got the ball back a minute forty one left on the clock. They ran it six straight times, and but they did start on their own ten. But you had pointed out something. Um, you weren't too like enthused with that. So, and and that's kind of the the comeback period of the XFL. So, I felt like they really should have been more aggressive I mean and I understand they don't want to have a four and out give the ball back and then give the other team a a chance to to score and get right back in it I get that but they ended up moving the ball they pretty pretty well Mm -hmm. they ended up on the opponent's uh 40 yard line and that's just running it they were trying to burn the clock and they ended up at the uh, opponent's 40 yard line imagine if they'd taken a timeout or two they really could have they might have been able to push that into field goal range at, at the least. Right. And I'm a fan of being aggressive and really playing hard and going for it. So, 
Well, yeah, okay, so offensive coordinator Jamie Elanzando is blanking on his name there. Um, but you're right. At that point, it was 16 nothing when they were burning that clock off before the second half. And at that point, that is a, just a, a two-score game with the XFL rules. All right, a couple more thoughts, and then uh, we're going to get into some stats followed by the news. Uh, Corndog, the, um, the sideline reporter for ESPN had brought this up where that Corndog, like Tom Brady. All right, so here's a question for you. What uh, do Taylor Cornelius and Tom Brady have in common? They have deflated balls. They do enjoy throwing a deflated football. It uh, it was very weird. Like I had no idea that the XFL had no kind of like standards when it came to ball like PSI, uh, and like just any of the any of the kind of terms that we learned in the Deflategate scandal. The XFL just kind of says, "Oh well," which I think is pretty interesting and unique. And I think it's a good thing because then, like a quarterback like Tom Brady or Cornelius, mm-hmm. maybe Tom Brady's going to come to the XFL. That's why he won't resign with the Patriots. Anyway, um. But that's, it's kind of nice that a quarterback can get exactly what he wants, and it how much it really helps, there's plenty of research on that. But Can we get Bill Nye out there again? I, I missed Bill, when Bill Nye was doing Deflategate stuff. Yeah, I'm all for it. So uh, it really I that's a little nugget that I had no idea existed, that the XFL has just no standardized, like, if you're a quarterback that likes the ball firmer, uh, if, you're like, uh, or if you're like Taylor Cornelius and Tom Brady, uh, you can have a deflated football. Do you think Cornelius... Um, like, he, do you think he destroyed his cell phone like what Tom Brady did? Uh, he might be doing it now since the sideline reporter talked about it. Since he outed uh, Cornelius's ball preference? You think that just, reporter is going to have a hit on his head. I think Goodell is already firing up the legal team. and uh, he, <laughs> Coming after the XFL. XFL will be no more. Oliver Luck, just gotta, you better watch your back there uh, because ta, hell hath no fury. Like uh, Roger Goodell is going to C&D. Roger Goodell is not going to like that. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about uh, one of my favorite stories was this catch. So backup tight end Colin Thompson of the Vipers had an amazing catch early in the fourth quarter. So what happened was Corndog was a pass intended for Dan Williams. Love Dan Williams. He's one of my favorite people on the Vipers. But it was swatted out of Williams' hands. And Thompson, out of nowhere, off the top rope, from the parking lot, as the kids would say, came in out of nowhere and made an amazing scooping catch, caught the ball right before it hit the ground, and tucked it in. Colin Thompson uh, with the catch of the game and highlight of the game. Well, see, this is really an example of how things have just been going the Vipers' way today. It's just everything, like even the fumble, yep. or the fumbled handoff earlier in the game. Which uh, Williams, ironically, had taken uh, yeah. for a little gain there. Yeah, and it just, it, it's kind of beautiful that things worked out for us. Yeah, so I a fun fact, uh, I looked up Colin Thompson on Twitter because the Vipers had tweeted out his at, his at and he is actually a, a several-time podcast host. He ha- hosts a couple podcasts, so uh, maybe, uh, I don't know. I'm trying gonna, to get him on. We're going to try to get Colin Thompson on there just to talk about the catch. And uh, I think he hosts like a, like a sports business podcast or something. I don't know if that's... That's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's like a, I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll do some research into that. And we'll see if he can, can't get uh, Colin Thompson on the podcast. Um, one more thing. Uh, this has to relate to the Viper secondary. Um, they they didn't allow any touchdowns, but several times that throughout this game, Cardale Jones uh, had receivers wide open and he overthrew them. Overthrew them. So yeah, that could have gotten scary. The shutout could have been ruined several times. There's a couple instances where the receiver had five yards of separation, and that's one thing that really burned us last week with the Roughnecks. Yeah, um, just. Corners letting uh, letting the receivers get behind them. The safeties letting the the receiver get behind them, and and that's a consequence of having a having an aggressive defense like we do. Yep. Um, 
but it shouldn't be that bad. Yeah. You expect it maybe once or twice, and we got lucky today that they missed both throws where the guy was. I mean, those are easy over. touchdowns if Cardale is able to. To if, connect on those. Yeah, if he just put a little more air under it so the, the receiver could just run under it, it would have been two touchdowns, and it could be a different game. So, yeah. Nick, hit me with some, some Viper stats. We're going to uh, shift into the stats segment. All right, this is – I'm actually really excited to do this one. So, Taylor Cornelius, good old corn dog, had himself a day. He had a pretty good day. He was 24th for 31, 211 yards, one touchdown. He did have a pick. Yeah. Wasn't a pretty pick. But whatever. We'll let him have that one. 36 yards for one rushing touchdown. Awesome. Awesome day for him. Uh, Running back, Devion Smith, 122 yards. Uh, Jaquez Patrick, 108 yards for one touchdown. So we're killing it on the ground game. UPS should sponsor us (laughs) because... Well, one thing to note, we said this is the Jaquez Patrick game. Jaquez Patrick's father passed away last week. And uh, he gave a great interview on the sidelines talking yeah, about that. Yeah, very emotional so, game for him. Very emotional game. Awesome, awesome time for Jaquez Patrick. And then receiver Dan Williams, seven catches, 72 yards. Like we said before, SJ Green, one target, one drop. Hopefully he'll get um, put into the mix a little more next week once he gets more um, Got to learn the game plan. Yeah, he's, he, give, him, give him a break. Right. And then Anthula Kelly. Our guy. Our man, who last week we were ready to cut him. This week we're going to re-sign him. He had five tackles, one um, pass deflected. He looked sharp. He did. He looked pretty good. And there was a lot of plays that I actually saw where the quarterback was playing the guy, running down the field, and was watching the ball. And that was the main criticism of him last week. He would not look at the ball. He wouldn't turn his head. Yeah, he just looked at the receiver's arms. Anytime the the guy acted like he was going to catch it, he tackled him. (laughs) Whatever. He stopped all the touchdowns, but the pass interference calls were just on him. But this week, cleaned it up. It's Shout just, out Anthula Kelly. Yeah, Kelly, you killed it this week. And uh, so the defender stats, Cardell Jones, another rough week. At least he didn't throw four picks this week, but he was 9 for 22 for 72 yards. Uh, one pick, no touchdowns, and then 46 rushing yards as a team. That was the real kicker. Which, that's pretty awesome because that's what that's supposed to be our weakness, the running game. We have these small defensive ends and these small, um, the small D-line that are a lot faster. And we're not really getting run on that bad. No. I mean, That's, like, this week was perfect. Last week wasn't bad. I mean, as long as you don't count PJ. Yeah. Scooping random fumbles up that are just falling. But not much you can do about that. Oh, here's a defender stat of note. They have a guy named Scooby on their team. That's true. So, I mean, that should count for something. Zoinks. Good old Scooper. Uh, things of note that I noticed from this game. Vipers were two for three on fourth down. 66% on fourth down. I love the aggression. that every single day of the week. Vipers did not allow a single sack tonight. Corndog did not get sacked at all. And that's what happens. They left Corndog in the whole game. He got in rhythm, didn't get hit. And that's another thing people don't really understand is that when you switch between a running quarterback like Flowers yeah. and a mobile, or a more stationary pocket passer such as Corndog, that's two different blocking schemes for the linemen. Yes. So it's really hard for the linemen just to get in, in a groove, let alone the quarterback and the whole offense. So... I do attribute some of the success to sticking with one quarterback. Well, it's the same thing in college. They do this a lot in college where, like, they'll have two quarterbacks. They'll have the pocket passer. They'll have the scrambler. And the offensive line always struggles to protect because they're, like, so used to one thing. And then they just get change on a dime. You have to learn a whole different uh, blocking scheme. Um, so it, I, I, it's the same thing as college and when it comes to that. And the red zone, Vipers, were three out of five. So it's uh, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, Franks had the missed field goal there. Um, here's something I like. D, uh, the Vipers D 
they held the defenders to two for ten on third down. The DC defenders twenty percent on third downs. And that's that's key. We uh, we held them to a lot of third and longs, and I'm pretty sure we did. It looked like it to me yep. every time I saw a third down, it was third and long. I don't know the official stat, um, but a lot of that was due to uh, stopping the run, like real like at the line, and then I mean Cardell Jones missing throws or our guys actually batting them down. So that was awesome. Uh, Vipers 477 yards of total offense. DC 107. Yeah, like that. Like to see that. Today really makes you feel like the Vipers can be a, a contender. Um, hopefully it's not too late for us to maybe sneak in somewhere, but we'll see. Kind of got to win out for that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The last thing I noted that DC had to punt the ball seven times. Tampa Bay punted the ball once. You don't see a lot of punts in the XFL in general, but uh, DC had to break out the uh, the leg today for their punter. Um, all right, let's shift into the news segment. We have two things of note. Uh, first one, you brought up Quentin Flowers earlier. Yep. Um, the reason he was not uh, in tonight's game, he was inactive, he was due to personal reasons. Head coach Mark Tressman said Wednesday that Flowers expressed his frustration with his role, probably because whenever he would start to get a role, they'd just put the other quarterback in. Um, and he left the team but remained a possibility. Uh, his future is uncertain. If he doesn't return to the team, Vipers would still retain his rights, so he couldn't play anywhere else unless he was traded or received his outright release. So this kind of answers the question of where's our guy, USF alum Quentin Flowers? What are your thoughts? It's a rough situation just because, for one, Flowers is a crowd favorite. Oh, anytime yeah. we post, anytime we look at the comment section on um, the Vipers' uh, Instagram account or anything, Flower it emoji. is filled with flowers. It's filled with people uh, saying QB9, start flowers, all of that. Everyone around here loves him. Um, except for Tressman. <laughs> I, I, it really boggles my mind that it's gotten to the point where Flowers has just not, like, shown up and he's, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like, snowballed into this big thing. Like, yeah, in the first couple weeks it was like, okay, we're switching him in and out. Like, um, it, I'm sure when, uh, I think Flowers, like, post-game quotes, he wasn't too enthused with it, but he seemed like a team guy. This yeah. week it's just completely done at 180 where he's not even showing up to the team and he's just out for personal reasons. Yeah, it, it's just a terrible situation, um, and I understand Tressman. This is the the offense that we saw today is what Tressman wants. Yeah, he wants a balanced offense with more of a pocket passer like Cornelius, like Murray, and unfortunately for Flowers, I think this game kind of sealed his fate. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think we'll see Quentin Flowers back in a Vipers uniform unless he's a running back. I don't think he will be starting at quarterback or playing quarterback unless there's some kind of crazy injury. So the best thing we could hope for is that some team will want to trade for him, or they'll cut him to just be free to sign with some other team, like Seattle. What, what would you say there's something about him in Seattle? So there have been rumors that uh, Seattle is a team that has interest, and then another team that he had interest in playing for was uh, New York. And New York kind of has a quarterback controversy at the moment, so we, we so we could possibly see him there. I wish him the best. I uh, it's it's a shame it didn't work out in Tampa, given that he's a USF guy. And that he's such a fan favorite, but I mean, it's a scheme like casualty when when uh, Tressman is just sticking to his guns. Um, so that's that really sucks. But we have one more item of news before we get to the Week Five preview. That is, of course, the Vipers attendance update. So last week we had, I think it was the third highest home opener in uh, XFL at eighteen thousand one hundred and seventeen. This week we are down to twelve thousand two hundred and forty nine people. Um, what can we attribute this to? Maybe it's the late start. I mean, seven o'clock on a Sunday. 
I personally wouldn't want to go to a game that, that late, especially because I have to you get, gotta up get up early. Yeah, yeah, Monday gotta, morning. Got to get up early, and uh, the team's not doing super super good. So I feel like fans were just kind of shying away a little bit and saying maybe we'll get them on the next uh, homestand. Yeah, but I don't think there's been an XFL game that started this late. I I could be wrong, but I don't remember. Like I see a lot of six o'clock starts, five o'clock starts, a seven o'clock start. On a Sunday night? I don't know. It just felt weird. But the fans that were there, though, I saw one fan, um, the Vipers uh, tweeted out in the parking lot. He set hold up a sign that said uh, he's not going to shower until the Vipers win, I think. Well, he's for, thankful- his, for his family, thankfully they thankfully, won. Thankfully, yeah. His, his family and his roommates or whatever, he, he can finally finally take a shower there. But uh, there was the, um, the, pe- the weird snake mask. Medusa. The, yeah. Or whatever, yeah. And the, oh, and the, the, the camera's... Uh, during the during the telecast, they picked up this this uh, man and woman taking a selfie, and it was the weirdest. The man was looked insane. The woman was doing some weird thing with her hand. It was it was the Fang Gang was out in full force. Oh yeah, the man had like a Medusa curl with like a holding the snake hand puppet, and uh, yeah, that was just. I mean, yeah. I love the Vipers, but that was kind of terrifying. At least hey, at least we got fans showing up. Might have been a little less this week, but I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, and, uh, the, no, the Fang Gang, I think the Fang Gang, we have a core group that will show up regardless of how bad this team is, and I guess that just kind of speaks to the, the strong sports culture we have here in Tampa Bay, but, uh, so yeah, I was pleased with that. So next week, they're on the road, we're going to do the Week 5 preview, uh, they are on the road in Los Angeles at the Wildcats, that's going to be Sunday, March 8th at 9pm Eastern, so all you East Coast Fang Gangers, uh, stay up late, stay up late. Take a, take a little power nap. Put a, put a pot of coffee on uh, and be ready because this game is going to probably last right up until about midnight there. So It's the battle of the one-win teams. Okay, so let's get into it. So Wildcats are 1-3. The Vipers are 1-3. The Wildcats just come, came off a 17-14 loss to the Guardians in Week 4. Um, Nick, what are, uh, what are some things we have to watch out for? Probably that quarterback. Yeah, Josh Johnson. He's uh, been pretty good so far in Week 4. He had a 330 passing yards, two touchdowns. He's actually third in the XFL of passing yards with 793. He's not the problem on that team. The offense and the passing attack in particular of the Wildcats has not been the problem. Um, in week four, the uh, Wildcats were just two for 12 on third down. So, uh, well, okay, that might be the quarterback. Um but here's the thing, the, the Wildcats' rushing attack was non-existent against the Guardians. They had just 40 yards on the ground week four against the Guardians. I mean, if you can't move the ball on the ground in this league, I really don't think you're going to have a lot of success. Well, which is perfect for us. Uh, if that's supposed to be our weakness and this team can't run, we can focus more on the... Uh, stop in the pass. Stop in the pass. Maybe an extra defensive back in there. Um, yeah, shrink down the linebackers, put another defensive back. It'll work. Play some nickel. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Madden for teaching me what that was. So, I, here's the thing with the Wildcats. Their record is really bad, but I don't think the team is really bad. They're they're very similar to us. Like, you look at this on you look at one and three on paper, you're like, oh, okay, well this team's not very good. Like they have a good passing attack. On defense, they have some guys. Safety Mod Dixon is second in the league in tackles with thirty four. They have men in the top five in the league in terms of sacks and interceptions. But like I don't know. I get the sense that this is going to be a tougher game than the two one and three records would indicate. Oh, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a good game. Yeah. Both these teams have talent, and I think both these teams are starting to get rolling. 
Well, LA has two of the top five receivers in the league in terms of receiving yards. Nelson Spruce, we have to keep an eye out for, and Trey McBride. So our guy, Anthula Kelly, in the secondary will have his hands full, I'm sure. We'll see which Anthula Kelly we get. Good Anthula or bad Anthula? I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, if you look at the Wildcats, there's just been so up and down. Week one, they lost 37-17 to the very good Houston Roughnecks. Week two, they lost 25-18 to the Renegades, who are also very good. Week three, they beat the snot out of the defenders, who we just did, 39-9. And uh, this past week, they just lost to the New York Guardians, who aren't very good. So it's it really is just up and down. Up and down. Hopefully we catch them on the down trend, you know what I mean? Um, but just uh, like like we said, be sure be uh, be ready to stay up there, Vipers fans, because this game is going to go into the wee hours of Sunday night. So uh, that is it for the week four recap. Thank God the Vipers finally got a win, so we can have some positive news to talk about. Yeah, it it feels good. It feels good. Uh, we're we got some momentum which we haven't had. And uh, I think we might have finally figured some things out. So, Nick, I want you to plug where the people can find us, and, uh, and then we'll all say goodbye. You can get us on Spotify, Apple Music, well, Apple Podcast. Yeah, every, every major yeah. podcast platform. Wherever you listen to your podcast, yeah, we're going to be there. That's the tagline there, yeah. And uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, um, at... Uh, Viper's Talk. Viper's Talk. Sorry, I spaced out. It's been a long day. It is. It is 10.30, and I have to get up in a few hours. So, so. all right. So uh, we'll see you guys next week for the uh, Week 5 Recap.